Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. And you may be seated. Uh, I've got, I know you've been standing for a while and my reading will be somewhat lengthy tonight. Familiar passage of scripture that no doubt we've heard countless messages and I'm sure in our daily Bible reading we have read this numerous times, but tonight I just feel like the Lord will give us a, David spoke of in his Psalms about a fresh oil, and I feel like tonight that the Lord will just give us a fresh word. How many is expecting to hear something from the Lord tonight? Amen. I come to magnify him. I come to lift him up, but I also come to receive something from him. Praise the Lord. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 18, and we'll begin reading with verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hands, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. Aren't you glad you're in the hands of the Lord tonight? Would you pray with me this, this evening? Father, we love you. So thankful for the privilege to be in the house of the Lord. I'm thankful that you've given us a time and a place that we can come and magnify your name. We have done that tonight, Lord. We have lifted you up with praise and with worship, but now we've come to the point in the service where your word will go forth. And I pray that you help us to lay down any distractions, anything that would hinder us from hearing what thus saith the Lord. Touch us as a congregation, our minds and our hearts, and I ask you to touch me tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name, and the whole house said amen. Praise the Lord. In our home, just as I'm confident in yours, there are a few pieces of furniture or some things that I call knickknacks that mean a lot to, to Jenny and I. I'm confident that they are worth very little in monetary value and probably worth little to anyone else that would perhaps look at them or hold them, but to us, they mean a lot, mainly because of perhaps the giver or where they come from. A couple of coffee cups that my Granny drank coffee from, that Jennifer drinks coffee from every morning. There's an antique lamp that belonged to Jennifer's grandmother. There's a china cabinet that belonged to my granny that was 
the original china cabinet that she bought in 1973 for the house, their house, the house that we now live in. Have a few guitars that belong to her that have quite a bit of age to them. There's a buffet that was my great great grandmother's that come by way of me of my uncle. I have a rocking chair on our carport that my great great grandfather built in the early 1900s. And I, I could go on and on about all the stuff that we have, but I know that would simply bore you this evening. But my point is this. We live in a world today that places no emphasis on things of value, really. Things today that we treasure and that we, we may look at as something that is valuable to us. It's not what our present state of the world is in. As a matter of fact, we live in a world of mass production, and it's, for the most part, easy to obtain pretty much anything we want. So we tend to discard broken things very quickly. And I myself am guilty of that. I'll run to the front of the line. I look at whatever it may be that's broken. And for the most part, I just say to myself, you know what, it's just easier to go buy a new one. I can just get rid of this one and throw it in the trash. And Lowe's has got a new one. Home Depot has got a new one. And, and for the most part in today's world, the products that we purchase are really designed to become obsolete. They, they want them to wear out. They, they don't build pickups like they used to build pickups. They don't, they don't make chainsaws, brother, ever like they used to make chainsaws. And so they're designed to be obsolete. And most of the time when you buy a uh, new product, uh, oftentimes when you buy it new, especially if it's an electronic device, by the time you get home with it, it usually already needs an update. And then in a few days, it's outdated. They've got a new version of it. So... This, this tendency that we have to simply toss out the broken and the old, if we're not careful, it can creep into our own lives with relationships, perhaps. We can, we can tend just to toss away of a relationship when there's a problem. Maybe we say it's no use in trying to you know, make it right. It's too hard to work on. Uh, they've hurt me. They've done me wrong. And I don't want to waste my time trying to repair it. We live in a world that most know that the divorce has become just something of the norm. If, we, if, you, if you marry and you can't get along, no big deal. We'll just part ways. Or if there's a little bit of trouble that's arise, we just part ways. Uh, we live in a world that I do business deals from time to time, and there are some deals that I've done with handshakes that really mean something to me and the individual, and I've done deals with, with contracts that uh, in the end really mean nothing to them. They just do away with them. But sometimes repair may cost too much. And uh, I have a few broken hand tools that I keep around and why I don't know and some power tools that I've taken to repair shops and the technician will tell you the same thing. He said, Jerry, it's just really, just be easier to buy a new one. And it cost about the same. I, I carried a chainsaw not long ago to y'all shop. And by the time he done the repair, and, and I, I appreciate his honesty with me. He said, Jerry, you'd just be better off to buy a new chainsaw. And so we tend to toss these broken things because, and because of that, all across our country, our landfills are full. 
Most of you know you can drive one of these back country roads around here and you'll see something. Somebody has discarded a washing machine or a dryer or some tires. All kind of stuff that you'll find. You might can find you a good couch or recliner every now and then if you, if you look hard enough. <laughs> but the ancient world in the days of Jeremiah was full of pottery. And when pottery was broken... Sometimes it was discarded, and there are museums that are filled with pottery from ancient cultures. In Israel, as we read, was no stranger to, to making, using, and destroying various vessels made of clay. And so in our, writing, uh, our reading this evening, the writer of the scripture used pottery as an image of humanity and human life. Humanity is said to be made of clay originating from dust. We know that from Genesis 2 and 7 when God formed man from the dust of the ground. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 that we're earthen vessels. He said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Paul said we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, cast down and not destroyed. And in our text this evening, the Lord uses a trip to the local pottery shop to speak to Jeremiah about what God does with human lives and nations. And it's just a word of a hope. As I was reading this this week, as I have read it often, it still gives me hope when I read it to know that as long as I stay in the hands of the Master, I may stumble, I may fall, I may make mistakes, but if I'll stay pliable in His hands, when our lives are placed in the hands of the one greater than we are, He can create and He can recreate us into something beautiful. But Jeremiah's message about pottery doesn't end here. If we were to read on in the next chapter, in uh, the chapter 19, verse 1, says, Thus saith the Lord, Go and get a potter's earthen bottle, and take of the ancients of the people and the ancients of the priest, and go forth unto the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is by the entry of the east gate, and proclaim there the words that I shall tell thee. I'll move down to verse 10. Then shalt thou break the bottle in the sight of the men that go with thee, and shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Even so will I break this people and this city, as one breaketh a potter's vessel that cannot be made whole again, and they shall bury them in Tophet till there be no place to bury. Now, Jeremiah had just had this word from the Lord about being repaired and being restored. And then we come to this particular place in Scripture. And I can imagine Jeremiah's emotions were plunging. There was hope in the hands of the potter when the clay was still moist and malleable. But, but now he had taken a vessel that had already gone through fire and shattered it. There was nothing left to do but to discard it. But yet... If we use the biblical imagination of the Lord, there is hope even in these verses that I just read. This, this broken vessel is buried and discarded and 
There is a God who gives life to the dead and calls it into being things that were not. We can recall the valley of dry bones when Ezekiel spoke to them. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now unto them, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. From time to time, I like to read different translations, and I found it interesting in the NIV that it says that verse like this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurable, and I got to thinking about that word, immeasurable. It's without measure. You can't measure it. You can't put a price on it. You don't know how much it is. Now to him who is able to do immeasurable more. So whatever we ask of God, Whatever we need of God, not only can he do that, but he can do more than we can ever ask or imagine. Our finite minds can't, can't comprehend what the Lord can do for us. And where we may see nothing at all, the Lord can bring hope. The God we serve is able to redeem and restore. So do not, I encourage us tonight, don't throw it away until you bring it to him. Matthew, Matthew applied Isaiah's prophetic words in Matthew 12 and 20 when he said, A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. Now, however many, how many has seen this, like a broken flower, the stem of it broke, a rose broke over? Uh, it's somewhat in a limp state, and it's, very difficult, hard to imagine how you would even prop it up. I've tried to tape them up and duct tape them and zip tie them, but same with the candle. Once the wick is burned out, it's, it's really down to nothing, and it's hard to imagine how can this be restored. But Jesus said that he's willing to work with things that others may think are broken and useless and he can use them and repair them. In the book of Galatians, there was a group of people who seemed to have their lives and relationship pretty much in what they thought was order. They boasted about themselves under the microscope of God's light. There, there were things that they needed to work on as well. And somewhere deep below the surface, they saw themselves as somehow superior to those who were broken. And Paul wrote to the Galatian church and chapter 6 of Galatians in verse 1 when he said, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And I love this verse here. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now that is true spirituality, true, true biblical Christianity is characterized here, not by how much we can discard, but by how much we can redeem or restore. That's why it's so critical that we help one another and not tear one another down. I'll pick on Brother Larry tonight because he won't get mad at me. But if he makes a mistake or stumbles or falls, he knows he's made the mistake. What value, what purpose does it serve to me to come along 
and beat him over the head with the mistake he's made. What value, what purpose does it accomplish if I run to somebody else in the congregation and say, you want to hear what Brother Larry done? No, no, no. We need to adapt the policy of taking one another by the hand and saying, come on, I've been there. I've stumbled too. I know where you're at. Come on, I'm going to take you by the hand. I'm going to pick you up, and, and we're going to make it through this. We'll come out on the other side because the Lord will restore us. The Bible can be summed up in four categories. The first category would be God's good creation. The second would be creation after the fall. Third would be the redeemed creation. And fourth would be the restored creation. But each of these kind of overlap one another. The creation around us is still as good as God made it originally. Humanity is still today made in the image of God. I understand that we're born into sin, but when that newborn baby uh, arrives to this world, it is made in the image of God. But we also know that we live in a world where nature at times can rear its ugly head and bring fear into our lives. There's hurricanes and tornadoes and severe thunderstorms and there's sin. All of this is the result of what we know that the fallen man, sin, where Adam made the mistake. And it is in this fallen world into which we are all born. We all know that we're born in, into sin, but there is a measure of suffering that we will experience. It's somewhat perplexing sometimes when you hear individuals who proclaim to be saved, and I'm not saying that in a judgmental way, but they wonder why something wrong may be going in their life because some people have the misconception that, well, if the Lord saves you and if you're living for the Lord, then nothing else will go wrong in your life. But we're not going to escape the human experience without some measure of brokenness. Everyone that's born into this life, saved or unsaved, will see brokenness. Sometimes the brokenness surprises us. It catches us off guard. We are healthy, and cancer strikes. Things are going along pretty good and an accident happens in our life. People are happy in their marriage. It seems everything is okay and then out of nowhere, here comes a divorce. Our children go astray and become rebellious. A change in economy causes a job loss. The sickness of a child and on and on and on the list can go of what can go wrong in our world and our hopes are dashed against hard rocks of life and the pottery is shattered. And it's the broken pieces and the shards of our lives that lay on the ground and we see this mess that we're in. And sometimes it's hard to imagine how God is going to put this all back together again. But the writer of Ecclesiastes agreed with Paul that life under the sun is filled with futility and frustration because there are times when God's good creation just doesn't seem to work out like it should. There are days that we perhaps wake up and we spend some time with the Lord in Bible study and then perhaps we spend some time in the Lord with prayer and you feel good about the day and I go out there and I I've had a good morning with the Lord and it's time to go to work and I go there and turn the key over to the ignition of the tractor and the battery's dead. 
And I think, well, this ain't supposed to happen. I've just spent some time with the Lord and had a good morning. But that's the things of life that we deal with. Redeemed creation is that part of the human story where we find a God who takes the broken pieces of our lives and rather than discarding them, he puts them back together miraculously, but he doesn't always do it in the way we hope. How many can attest to that tonight? I, I am so grateful that God seemed, uh, extended his grace to me. Many of you know my story, so I won't belabor the issue of being raised in church and then walking away from the Lord and, and then coming back to God. And in my mind, with just a snap of a finger, everything can be back to normal. But it doesn't work that way. It takes time. The Lord has to work on some things in me. There's some mistakes that I made while I was living in the world that I'm still paying for today. Not because God can't do something about them, but sometimes there's some consequences that we have to deal with. Now the Lord will give us the strength to, to see through that and he does that, but we often want him to put us back together with no marks. We want him to fix us and heal us with no scars, no indication that we ever stumbled and fell, no, no cracks in our vessel because we don't want anyone to see what we once were. We don't want people to see the imperfections that live in a life of sin has caused us. The Bible is clear that God is near to the broken and the contrite. He delights in helping those who realize that ultimately they are powerless to help themselves. He's benevolent. He is the potter in the sense that Jeremiah saw him at the potter's house, but he is also more than that. He is also a potter who is able to redeem our brokenness. He can put us back together again in ways that we can't imagine, and he uses our redeemed brokenness for his glory, our benefit, and the benefit of all those around us. No matter how deep you may feel like you have been in sin, no matter how far you may have gone, if you will avail yourself to the Lord, it's a promise from his word that he can take us and use us to be one of the greatest testimonies that the world has ever seen. And I'm not only referring to putting us back together after we've lived a life of sin, which, which is outstanding. I'm thankful that the Lord does that, but I'm also referring to how God can put us back together after we've been serving him and perhaps have some suffer some tragic loss or face a difficult trial. He's still able to take and use us. He God will never waste. If you don't hear anything I say tonight, I'll ask you to hear this. God will never waste your suffering. And if we will bring all the broken pieces to them, he will repair them with gold. And that's my title tonight is Fixed with Gold. Legend says that a Japanese dignitary accidentally dropped his favorite teapot. He sent it to a repair shop to be repaired. And when it was returned, he was unsatisfied with it. So he commissioned his servants to find a better way to repair broken things. And the result was what came to be known as Kintsugi, more known as golden joinery or golden repair. 
Kintsugi is the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery. You may have seen this before by, by mending the areas that are broke with a lacquer dust mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. Perhaps you have seen it to be a broken piece of pottery or a broken glass or a plate. You can see the crack, but the crack is filled with gold. As a philosophy, it treats breakage and repair as part of the history of the object. It wants people to see that, yes, at one time, this piece of pottery, this glass, this plate, it was broken. But rather than someone trying to disguise or hide, you can see the crack and the break. But now that crack and that break is filled with beautiful gold. Leonard Cohan in his classic song anthem sang these words, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. We live in the third part. I spoke of four parts of, of the Bible, and today we currently lived in the third part, which is the redeemed creation. We are redeemed. We live in the third part of the story of human history. It's in this place of God's good creation Fallen and broken people and systems are redeemed and all of creation lives together. Jesus came into the world, we know this. He robed himself in flesh with a nature like ours in order to set things right from the inside out. He experienced what human life and death are like, but he did not stay dead. He's alive. His body was tormented for us. He experienced redemption with and for us, and he is setting all things right. One day, God is going to restore all the things of the earth. But right now, right now, he takes our broken pieces of the pottery of our human lives, and he welds them back together with the seal of his spirit and with gold. Gold in scripture represents God's glory in the divine nature, and God chooses to use broken things. It's been said a hundred times from this uh, desk just recently, as a matter of fact, I can't recall who said it, but the heroes of scripture that we so often read about were full of flaws. You study almost every character in the Bible, they were full of flaws and mistakes and had sin in their life, but yet God used them. It is at those broken places that the, the light will shine through. The writer of the Bible does not attempt to hide the flaws of those people. Matter of fact, it will point out, if you read Scripture, most often times than not, it points out all the flaws that these individuals have and then will in turn show how God put them back together and used them. Paul said that he had a difficulty in his life, a, a place of brokenness that he really, really sought for the Lord to heal him or to do away with. And we know that God said, no, Paul, that, that's part of your story. I, I won't take that away. But in the crack places, I'll put the gold of my grace there. It's at those places in our lives where we are most broken that if we will place them in the hands of God, he can make us strong. God, he will repair and make everything. Or will, will he repair and make everything like it used to be? Probably not. It's probably not going to be like it used to be once we are fallen and broken. Our lives change 
when they're broken by grief and loss. I could pass this mic around tonight to those who have suffered some sort of tragedy in your life, whether it be a loss of a loved one or, or perhaps a divorce or the whatever it may be. And I believe that each and every one would say, my life is not like it used to be. It is forever changed because of that. Our lives can forever be altered when we face difficult things in our life. We struggle and we hope and we pray if things could just be the way they used to be, but they never can. And sure, we can place some sort of concealer on our scars, but they're still there. You see, when Jesus rode from the, rose from the dead, he brought his scars with him. It was from those scars that our victory resides. It's from those scars that his light shines through. He told Thomas to touch his nail-scarred hands and to put his hand in his pierced size. Je- Jesus had those scars that he could show what he had done for us. And when you and I are put back together again, sealed with God's gold, it increases our value. So I'll tell you tonight, don't hide the scars. Don't be ashamed of the scars. It's the scars that tell your story. It's that crack that is sealed with gold that gives us our testimony. We should never let the devil cheat us out of our testimony by making us feel ashamed of the scar that has been left. It would be his pleasure. If God has done something miraculous in your life, it would be the devil's pleasure to put duct tape on your mouth and never let you speak of the goodness of God because perhaps you was ashamed at what God brought you from. I'm not talking about dwelling on our past and all the things that we used to do, but I'm talking about standing flat-footed and firm and proclaim, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. The writer in Ephesians 1 and 7 said, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his great." of his grace. The light shines from the broken pieces. There are areas in our lives where we have failed and it is from those areas that God wants to shine the brightest. It's where we failed, where we've made mistakes, where we've been put back together that God can use us to help someone else that perhaps might be in the same situation. Bringing those broken things into the presence of the potter will help. There may be a missing chunk of you, but don't worry. God has enough gold to fill whatever we're missing, but we have to be honest with him, and we have to be honest with ourselves. I'm going to ask our musicians to come this evening. Last Sunday after church, my nephew Ethan and I went to Gainesville, and he's like most teenagers. He's full of questions, and we were talking about the Lord and talking about life, and I was uh, trying to encourage him to make up his mind early about what he wanted to do for his uh, working in his life, or would he want a college or a, or a vocation? And I said, Ethan, don't don't waste your youthful years because you're going to blink, and you'll be thirty, and you'll be you realize how much time you have wasted and 
all the things that you could have done. I briefly told him of how uh, when I graduated and started college, I thought it was more important once I moved to Gainesville to participate in nightlife than I did to go to school. So ultimately, I dropped out of school and wasted many, many years. And I was trying to tell him, uh, he, he made the comment, he said, yeah, Uncle Jerry, but look at what you have done now. The Lord's forgive you of all that and, and you're doing this and you're doing that. And I said, that is true, and I'm forever grateful. But I said, I'm telling you all this because you don't have to go down the same road that I went down. I said, Ethan, the 17 years of misery that I wasted, I said, I do thank God for where I am today. I do thank him for pulling me out of the miry clay. But I said, think where I could be if I'd have just stayed with the Lord from the get-go in what he could do in my life. And I tell us tonight, don't, don't throw yourself away. Bring, bring yourself to him. The Bible uses the word edify, and I'm, I'm trying to close when speaking of the ministry responsibility that we all have to one another. The word edify means, as you know, to build up. In building up, there is a repair that happens. There is gold that, uh, that is applied to the cracks of our lives. The original word for edify has the sense of resetting a bone that is not healed properly. Sometimes there are things that we have tried to put back together to no avail. By nature, and I, I'm sure I've told this before, but by nature, I'm a fixer. If there's something wrong, I'm confident I, I can fix it. If it's broke, somebody build it and put it together. So I, I, I believe I'm smart enough to tear it down and fix it and put it back together. But sometimes there are gaps too big and broken pieces that are too much. And we can't fix them without the Lord. But if we will place them in the hands of Jesus, he can make us better than new. I'm going to ask you to stand with me tonight. And I'll tell you, it's never too late. There is hope. You can start where you are today. Let it be the first day of the rest of your life. Everyone has a next step as we move towards restoration. In closing, let me say this to anyone in the house or anyone who might be watching or listening by way of social media. If there are some broken pieces in your life that you have yet to place in the hands of God, I'll close with a question. What do you have to lose? Why not let the master potter fix you with gold? You're not too broken for God to fix. You're not too far gone. In fact, God will look at you and say you're broken in all the right places because he can fix us and put us back together. Can we lift our hands across the house tonight and thank him for restoring us, for redeeming us, for pulling us out of the miry clay and setting our feet upon a rock, a firm foundation. Lord, I thank you. When I wasn't lovable, you loved me. When I did. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. 
Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.